0: If you're going to have a one-sentence definition of success, it might be this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Most of you have probably heard that before, that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And if we all did that, and we all did it perfectly, life would be a lot different. But that presupposes that we can identify the main thing, that we can see what the main thing is and keep it the main thing. So what really is the main thing? What is important? Well, in order to determine what is important, I did what everybody does. I googled it. Because, you know, the internet is really smart. So I started my question like this. And apparently, people ask this question a lot. So I started out by saying, what is the most important? And before I could get any farther, it gave me a list of suggestions of things that I might find um, so that I might find out what really is most important. Here's, Here's a list of things that I could have chosen from. What is the most important meal of the day? Amendment. Organ in the body. Nutrient most important job in the world, the most important thing in life, the most important subject in school, the most important Jewish holiday, (laughs) the most important position in football, and the most important role of the president. Now, I'm I'm just gonna go out there and take a guess that none of those things are the most important. There are all maybe fractions of things that are important, but they're not the most important. Because discerning the signal from the noise in our world is one of the hardest things in life. To figure out what really is important when all these other things are coming at us is very, very difficult. While you may want to find out what's the most important thing in each area of life, the reality is that there is an overarching most important thing. But it isn't really about finding the most important thing in the categories, but finding the most important thing overall. Jesus was a master at sorting out the most important things. All throughout his life, he stuns the people he's talking to with the fact that, yes, some things that they didn't think were important are really important. And some things that they thought were super important were kind of ridiculous. so today, in our text, Jesus really nails down for us what is the most important thing. And I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 22, um, beginning in verse 34. Jesus had had uh, a number of interactions, really conflicts with religious leaders over the past years. Uh, few days here, or fa- even the past few hours, they're coming rapid fire at him now. But finally, 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 they get to something that is important. This question that Jesus addresses today is as central as the last question that he addressed was obscure. You remember the last question was about uh, if a woman marries seven husbands and they all die, or, you know, whose wife will she be? I mean, of all the strange questions, that one's way out there. This one is way in here. This is the central question. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. To test him. teacher which is the great commandment in the law. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love the Lord or you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. All of your religion comes down to your love. Everything hangs on how good you are at loving The most important thing about you is that you love God and that you love other people. So the first thing that we see here in this text is that it is a test. Now we've grown accustomed to recognizing these tests, right? The Pharisees heard he'd silenced the Sadducees. You got to love that because here are these two rival gangs. You know, you can think of it like West Side Story. I suppose the rival gangs are coming and trying to one up Jesus, and finally, and, and they don't like it when Jesus gets them, but they really like it when Jesus gets the other guys. And so they were they were secretly rejoicing, and I think huddled up, and say, "Ha ha!" Don't you love it how he got them? And then they huddle up and they talk about how they might get Jesus next. It's as though they're taking turns, and now it's the Pharisees' turn, and um, a lawyer speaks up to test Jesus, to test Jesus. Now, that's, that tells us that this is not a friendly discussion that one might have, say, in seminary class about what's the most important. This is a test. This is the fourth time that they have tried to test Jesus. If you go back in chapter 16, verse 1, They tested him looking for a sign. He said, the only sign you're going to see is the sign of uh, the prophet Jonah. Then in chapter 19, verse 3, they test him and say, did Moses give a commandment to divorce, to give your wife a certificate of divorce? They're testing him, asking him ridiculous questions. In chapter 22, verse 15, one we saw a few weeks ago, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And so now here's the fourth test. Each one of those times it tells us it's a test. Here's the fourth one. 2235, an expert in law asked Jesus a question to test him. The question about the greatest commandment was a matter of serious concern among the religious leaders. I suspect it was a trap, though, for Jesus because they hoped he wouldn't be up for it. They hoped that it would stump him, that it would display display that he is an outsider or an imposter. It would show his lack of education. In other words, of the 613 laws he had to choose from, how would he do at picking the most important? These are, the question now is coming from the Pharisees. And you, re, you remember that the Pharisees were very careful about keeping the commandments. They have already confronted Jesus about, uh, for multiple times about not keeping the Sabbath. They'd thrown the penalty flag on him and his disciples when they plucked grain walking through the field. Jesus ate with the wrong kind of people for them. Jesus and his disciples didn't fast like the Pharisees. Jesus' disciples didn't wash their hands before coming to the table. They disagreed about the certificate of divorce. Over and over and over, Jesus and these Pharisees Disagree. And so this lawyer figured this was the way he's going to get Jesus. Jesus isn't very good at these commandments. Let's nail him. So he asked him, what's the most important commandment? But before we see, what would you say is the most important? Okay, pretending you hadn't just read it, right? What would you say is the most important? Some of us will elevate certain commandments, one that we think are important, maybe no sex outside marriage, don't gossip, serve the Lord, serve in church. And while there are those and 610 others that could be important, Jesus lands on one that silences not only the Pharisees, but all of us as well. In fact, it is foundational to all of the others. Jesus' answer in verse 37 is very, very clear. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Jesus said, This is priority number one. Love the Lord your God. In order to come up with that, Jesus quotes the Old Testament, of course. You're getting used to Jesus doing that, I hope. But he quotes from uh, what is known as the Shema, which is named for the first word, hear, O Israel. And this is a passage of Scripture that they would have quoted in their homes on a daily basis hero Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one then it goes on to say you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and so Jesus centers in on what really they probably would have agreed is the central commandment in the scripture Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. This does not represent three different ways that you would love the Lord. This represents really one full-bodied abandonment to the object of your affection. This represents one singular whole person response to the one who loves you. In fact, it's the word, if anything, that stands out is the word all, isn't it? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. There is no half-hearted approach to the Lord. You don't get to go part way and call it good. You don't get to say, I'm going to do it Jesus' way some of the time. There is no halfway. You are all the way in with the Lord. Now you may notice there, if you're careful, that Jesus said, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. When the Old Testament text said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, And I suspect that Jesus could say heart, soul, and mind, knowing that if you did that, the might would take care of itself. That if you really loved the Lord, you would you would do something about it. I mean, think about it. We just had Valentine's Day, didn't we? And there was a fair amount of uh, "I love you," "I love yous" said back and forth. I suspect. But they really didn't count unless you did something, right? Unless there was a card or chocolates or flowers or something. Same is true here. You don't love someone with all your heart, soul, and mind without doing something. And I'm just going to stop here and say this, though. If there's anything that I want for New Life Church, is that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, mind, Uh, in mind because it's super easy it's super easy for us to be like the ephesian church in the book of revelation to leave our first love to get busy with lots of other things to have a schedule that's full to have all kinds of uh, information coming at us and us sorting through all of it and to leave our first love I think far too many Christians get involved in church and forget why. People get involved in their community. They get involved serving. They come on Sundays and they forget why they do it. Of all of the other commands, Jesus could have answered with, he answered with, love the Lord your God, because all of the others find their roots here. This is the life-giving uh, foundation of all the other commands. Because You can get caught up with all the others, and if you miss this one, you miss all the others as well. You miss the point. And so it makes me want to stop and say, Well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm loving the Lord? Certainly, how do I know if I'm loving the Lord with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind? Really? Is this just something that sort of automatically happens? Well, you can think of it like this the heart, I mean, all of these go together, but. Your heart is the seat of your will or your intentions, your drive. And to love the Lord is to love the Lord with your desires, to desire the things that he desires and want the things that he wants. And so you just can stop and say, when I think about the things I want, why do I want them? Do I want them because he wants them? Do I desire them because He desires them? And love the Lord with your heart. Then love the Lord with all your soul. I mean, soul is, soul is really nonspecific. The, soul is an in, the word soul is interchangeable with the word life. Love the Lord with all your life. So if ever there was a way to say love the Lord with all of you, it would be this. You'll be love the Lord with all your soul. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. That's that's what this is. This is all that is within me. Love the Lord. and your mind, love the Lord with what you think about. It's easy to think about lots of other things, isn't it? I mean, I don't have to tell you that. It's even hard to figure out, what should I be thinking about? But it's easy to think about how we've been wronged. It's easy to think about how uh, other people should have treated us differently. It's easy to think about what we have to do for work and what we have to do for house projects or assignments at school. Loving God with all your mind means thinking of Him. Him thinking of his love for you, thinking of his character, his smile, his reactions, his word. And so I have to ask, how much do you think of him? Do you think of him like you love him? One commentator says it this way, No language better sums up the passion for God, the intimacy with God, the fidelity to God that were the hallmarks of Jesus' own life, into which He called others. The call to love God has strong, a strong Old Testament pedigree. It occurs no fewer than ten times in the book of Deuteronomy alone. The challenge is a, to a comprehensive engagement with God, with the total capacity of all one's faculties. The omission of strength from this list tends to let the focus of love for God fall in the inner disposition and thoughts, leaving the sphere of the energetic physical action to the love of neighbor. Now, because I don't think I've meddled quite enough yet, let me meddle a little bit more. Let's start on Sundays. Sunday should be the day that's set aside to love the Lord, right? So we'll start with the easy stuff. How was it coming to church this morning? Is it a fight for you? No, I'm not talking about a fight with your family. That happens. That's just a given, okay? But not a fight with your family, but a fight with your own soul to come to church. Oh, really? You're so tired. It was your one day to sleep in. You would, and you have this fight? That's That's what we're talking about. I think it's, is it easy for you to... Excuse being gone from worship. When you're here, are you really honestly thinking about the one you love? Are you thinking about the Lord or are you somehow concerned about what other people might think of you? Do you look when you are at church? Here you go. Do you look like you are with someone you love? Can people tell you love Jesus when you are at church? I mean, seriously, right? It's not that hard to do this and say, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice, right? so easy for us just to go through motions and think that somehow if we do our church thing, our religious thing, it's going to pay off. And without the heart underneath it, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, you've missed it. You've missed it. Well, what about the other days of the week? Sunday's the easy one. Do you get out of bed and think about the one you love? Or do you rush through the day? Think about him maybe only once in a while. Maybe, maybe when things go wrong, you do think about him, you think, this he's done me wrong here. You pick a fight with <laughs> pick a fight with him. And that's when you think of him. Are you doing something regularly, daily, to cultivate a relationship with Him? Seriously, if you are not talking to the Lord, if you are not listening to the Lord, I mean, that's what you have to do to have a relationship with anybody, isn't it? I mean, this is not rocket science. So do you pray? I mean, do you really depend on Him? I hope that New Life Church cultivates this in you. We're, we're really trying to cultivate this love for the Lord within every person. One of the ways we're doing that uh, this year is what we call the C42 Endeavor, which is that we were aiming to pray as a church for a 1,000 hours. We aim to do that in the month of January, and we missed it, so we're continuing in February. And I've had, I've had a lot of angst about this, I'll say. Can there, would you put up the QR code for me? There's a the QR code. If you guys want to, like, jump in on this, it is not too late. Just aim at the QR code, and it'll take you to a place to sign up or to register time you've already prayed. Because I I figured this, I'm just going to talk to you about this because I really do care about your intimacy with the Lord. And I thought about, what should we aim at? And I said, let's aim for a thousand hours. That would be be less than one half hour per person per week for the month of January. So I thought, that's not a very high aim. I felt guilty for aiming at only a thousand hours. And... Several people have done already more than that. And so if people have done more it would certainly be easily be doable but still we're at 735 hours right now. three quarter, not even three quarters of the way really. And so I want to invite you to jump in on this and say, you know I'm going to be bad at this, I'm going to be imperfect about this, but I am committed to loving the Lord. Your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and mind. That's really what I hope that you will do. That's what this is for. And so you can follow this QR code and sign up to pray half an hour or log a half an hour, whatever you would like. But you're gonna say to me, right? Can I love the Lord with all my heart and my soul and my mind without participating in the C42 endeavor? See, I I know you. I know how this is. I know me. That's a problem. I know me, right? Of course you can. Of course you can. But I just want to say, why would you? Why would you not rejoice at being part of a church that's trying to do this? Because this wasn't an arbitrary aim. Trust me. I thought about giving you a push-up exercise. Let's let's all do 100 push-ups a day. But I couldn't quite get that down the middle of what we need to do as a church. This is right down the middle. This is so much down the middle that you can't miss it. So, you don't have to do it, but I want to invite you again. Because this is the center of the bullseye. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. Well, it turns out that Jesus was not content to answer the question about the great commandment with just one. One. The great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is like it. Verse 39 you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these depend two commandments. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. So the second is like it. And this is really important. The second is like it. How is love your neighbor like love the Lord your God? 1 John tells us. That the second is like the first, because the second is proof of the first. Do first John says, Do not tell me you love the Lord your God if you don't love other people. It's really that simple. I mean, these two are so close and so tight and so important. No one can love God and hate his brother. Now, here Jesus chooses a little more obscure command. About uh, how to answer them, he he picked the Shema, which was really right in the middle. This one is a little more uh, obscure, but it comes from Leviticus 19, verse 18: "You shall not take vengeance nor bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself." I am the Lord. That's that's the verse he quotes. And so if the thing is love your neighbor as yourself, this Old Testament quote defines that for us somewhat, doesn't it? It tells us that somehow loving your neighbor as yourself has to do with holding a grudge, with uh, seeking to get even. Which tells me from Leviticus 19.18, That the opposite of love is to say, you always do this. The opposite of love is to say, oh, that's just like the last time. Remembering an offense is the opposite of love. And some of you are doing that right now. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Then he ends with, I am the Lord, doesn't he? God is staking his reputation on your love for one another. He's staking his reputation on the prospect that you will forgive your neighbor. I mean, this is really the... the, soil in which this great commandment is grown it's grown in the soil of forgiveness here's the longer quote from Leviticus it says you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor I am the Lord you shall not hate your brother in your heart you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Slander and hating your brother in your heart brings sin. Why? Because God is God. He is your God. His reputation as a God of love is at stake in the way that you treat your brother. So, love your neighbor as yourself. I just have to say, especially grown in the soil of Leviticus 19, this command has nothing to do with how easy it is to love your brother or how easy it is to love your neighbor. Seriously. If you had a perfectly lovable Neighbor, you wouldn't need this command, would you? If, you're, if you had a brother that did everything just like they're supposed to, this would be super easy. This is built for those of us who are imperfect. So Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Let me put it to you another way. If people treated you like you treat other people would you be happier or would you be less happy are you known as a person who loves other people i mean take an inventory go through the people in your life the people who who you go through your phone look at the text messages Are you known as a person who loves other people? I was coaching someone about this this week and and just came up with a simple three-step process that isn't hard that anybody can do for somebody even if they're close or even if they're far away and it's the first time you ever meet them. And here it is. This is just a simple way to show people love. First, be happy to see them. Be happy to see them. Let them know you're happy to see them. That's one of the reasons I, th- I enjoy these kind of gatherings is because I get to see people I haven't seen for a while, and I want to let you know how happy I am to see you. So, uh, and guess what? It doesn't just cover, does it, <laughs> from the front saying, I'm happy to see you. It has to be kind of a one-on-one thing for everybody. Be happy to see them. Two, be grateful. Express thanks every chance you get. Again, which makes me want to stop and say thank you to the, the tech team. There are people you don't see this morning that put in long hours to make this happen. There's a team on the stage that got up way earlier than anybody should on a three-day weekend to make this happen for you. And so I just want to say uh, thank you to those of you who some of you are invisible, some of you have been up here, but thank you. Be grateful. And the third, the third, maybe the most unusual Be happy to see them, be grateful, and then be interested. Be interested. Don't be interesting. Be interested. Be interested in them. Listen to what they have to say. Ask questions about their perspective. Stop. Zip it. Be interested in them. Now, I mean, there's lots of other things, right, that you could do to love people. Those are just three that I thought of this week, okay? There's lots of other things. So what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do about this? I don't know, I don't know how you think about this. Do you think that you're pretty good at this? I mean, I'll honestly say that um, this is the thing that I ask prayer for probably more than anything from our staff. Is just help me love people. Because that's, that's the thing. It's not something that you can just conjure up. It's like, oh, I need to love these people. <laughs> I do. Some of you are saying, yeah. If you don't do that, what do you do? What, what, what's going to happen here at church, right? You come to church. He says, love other people. And you walk out, what, feeling guilty trying harder. What are you going to do? If you have a hard time with this, let me just suggest a couple things. The first thing is pray. So if you're noticing a theme here, good for you. You're paying attention. Pray for the people you love. Pray for yourself that you will be loving. Prayer is central to loving the Lord. It's central to loving other people. To love your neighbor as yourself is to pray for your neighbor. How you would start another way, I haven't figured out. And so I'll, I'll just say, again, we're trying to be right down the middle here with the church to help you do this. So we've encouraged you for the last several months to use a tool called Bless Every Home, and you can put the QR code up if you would. Bless Every Home is a tool that uh, helps you pray for your neighbors. It actually writes out a prayer for you. You I mean, it doesn't get any easier than that. And it reminds you of the names of your neighbors pr- to pray for your neighbors. And it's it's simply a tool that helps you say, I'm going to take seriously loving my neighbors. So, I'm going to start by praying for them. And so, some of you have this on your phone or signed up for it and you don't use it. Maybe you need to refresh. Marsha just this last week could sort of cleaned hers out and reorganized it. Got, <laughs> got different neighbors to pray for. And that's a start because, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I look on weekends. I mean, Saturday's like my only day and I'm in the yard most all the time. I, I hope my neighbors come out of the door. I'm just looking at my neighbor's houses. Who's going to come out today? Because I'm praying for them. I really am. And I would long to have conversations with them. So, but that's, that's, that is what it is. Because you're going to love your neighbors yourself. And you're just going to simply say, how would I like someone else to love me? Jesus finishes by telling us, reminding us how central these two commands are. He says, On them hang all the law and the prophets. As someone said, as a door hangs on its hinges, so the whole Old Testament hangs on these two commandments. Think about that. If you're serious about following Jesus, and if you're serious about wanting to do what's in the Bible, everything hangs on these two things. I'll make it simple for you there's two things. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. And Jesus came to fulfill that. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets, and he did it by loving. Well, these two commands hang together because the first without the second is impossible, and the second can't stand without the first. The key thing for us is not to know the right answer, is it? But to do the right answer. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if you have the same answer as Jesus on the quiz in religion class 101. Nobody cares about your right answer. The only thing they care about, the only thing really God cares about is, Are you actually doing it? The main thing is that you do this. That you do this. After all, they are commands. That's what a command means, is do these things. So do you love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind? Do you love other people the way you hope you will be loved? How are you doing with this? Now, how how are you doing? Seriously. Do you have this dialed in? Is there anybody here that says, I'm really good at this? This comes so naturally for me, I didn't need the sermon this morning? Yeah, me neither. So the question then comes down to this. How do you create love in a loveless heart? How do you come up with love for God in a loveless heart? How do you come up with love for a neighbor in a loveless heart? That's the question. I want to answer it for you this way. Ultimately, it comes down to believing the gospel. It comes down to really knowing and believing it. Not not getting the right answer on the religion 101 quiz again. See, some of us can say, oh yeah, I believe the gospel. Check. True or false? True. I, that's great. I hope you get the right answer. But that's not, what we're, that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is, is this coming from inside of you? Is it, does it involve all of you? To be known as someone who loves other people and loves the Lord is to be known as someone who believes the gospel. The connection is this. First John four nineteen. Super easy. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Okay, I don't want to make this more complicated than it needs to be. I'm saying the, the very most important thing is to love the Lord and to love others, and then you say, okay, how do I do that? First is you've got to get clear on the fact that you have been loved by God. There's a saying in the, in the counseling world or in the therapy world maybe that says this, hurt people hurt people. That's really probably important for all of us to understand that hurt people hurt people. But I want to propose to you this morning that the opposite is also true. That when you think of these two great commands that you also see that loved people love people. Hurt people hurt people, but loved people love people. And so if loved people love people, The priority will be for us to know and actually really deep down with all of our heart and soul and mind believe that we are loved by God. In other words, to really internalize this gospel. This is not just a get it right on the quiz so you can go to heaven kind of gospel. This is a transformative from the inside out kind of gospel that when you are convinced you are loved by God then you love other people gospel you create love in a loveless heart by loving somebody and guess what <laughs> that's what God did for us okay I just want to give these to you kind of rapid fire in hope that one or two will sink in and not bounce off John 3:16. I'm not not going to the most obscure places here. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or John 13, 34 and 35. A new command I give you that you love one another. Oh, there it is again. I got to go do that, right? No, no, no. Just as I have loved you. You are also are to love one another. By this will all people know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. They'll know you're in the family of Jesus if you have a family resemblance. John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now think about this. This this one you can think about all day and it will blow your mind all day long because... How has the Father loved the Son? How has God the Father loved God the Son? I'm guessing it's just a little bit. Or more than a little bit, right? That way, God, Jesus has loved us, and he says, remain in my love. Then it goes on a couple of verses later, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So as the Father loves Jesus, so Jesus loved us, so we love other people. With the deepest, richest, most beautiful love in the universe. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. That's how you know Jesus loves you. Or Romans chapter 8, verse 35. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, this is such great news that you are loved. I'll tell you, the the thing that I resist in my heart of hearts the most is really, really believing that. And that's then why I'm, uh, I have a hard time loving other people. And because, though, this is the most important command, this is the central thing upon which all of the Bible hangs. You cannot walk away this morning nodding your head And somehow thinking this was a great sermon. Because that doesn't matter. What matters is that this most important thing, this central thing, this greatest commandment is something that we live out. Okay? I say that. Again, we're going to do this a little bit. We need practice at this, right? We're, is, what's important is you do it. And you say, ah, what do I do? How do, Can't make it happen. Okay? Pray that God would change you. Believe the gospel. Then love God and love other people. Why? Because loved people love people. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, uh, this is This is something we can't just make happen on our own. We can't conjure it up. We can't pretend it. We can't fake it till we make it. We need you to come in and change us. Take out our heart that's hard and stone-like and give us a heart of flesh that beats with love for you and love for other people. God, would you help us with this? Would you make New Life Church a church that is known, first of all, by loving you, second of all, by loving other people, that when people encounter us, they will recognize that we have been with you because we love them. So, Father, would you help us love, I pray, in the name of Jesus.